Doc Talk is brought to you by Merck Animal Health. By integrating the comprehensive animal health product portfolio of Merck Animal Health with the innovative technologies of all flex livestock intelligence, we are shaping the future of animal health, resulting in more effective solutions and healthier animals. Hey, folks. Welcome to Doc Talk. We're going to have a great show. We have Dr. Scott Fritz, Dr. Steve Ensley. They're from Kansas State University's Veterinary Diagnostic Lab in the toxicology section, and we're going to talk toxicology, springtime, summertime, and cattle. Stay tuned. Hey, folks, welcome to Doc Talk. We have Dr. Scott Fritz, Dr. Steve Ensley. They're toxicologists here at Kansas State University where we're shooting the show. And uh, uh, just thanks for being here on the show. When If you think you have something going on toxicology-wise, pharmacology-wise, these are two of the best that I know. And uh, working with them, I've worked on a lot of cases with them uh, and, and will continue to do so. But uh, thanks for being here. You bet. No, thanks for having us. It's always fun to talk about toxicology. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's like we say, it's always exciting as long as it isn't your it is. animals. Right, yeah. It's like, even I more mean, exciting then. <laughs> well, yeah. So, yeah, toxicology is uh, uh, the, not the biggest part of veterinary medicine, but so, you know, we do a really good job of training everybody how to do bugs and drugs and then the tox part sometimes the best way you learn that is to go out have to be out in the field and get experience to be able to you know relate to what some of the things that we see are so let's not, let's roll into uh dr uh steve and dr scott let's roll into uh toxic plants and and pastures and some of the things that y'all see yeah that can poisonous plants in general can be a real problem you know a lot of times you're trying to make that diagnosis after the fact and you know the, some of the risk factors you think of early turnouts one of them because a lot of times those weeds will come out before the pasture grass as well and so it's just timing can sometimes be an issue uh, early spring rains can sometimes kind of make that a little bit more of a problem uh, we see it at least in the springtime uh, it, as so i hadn't even thought about that that the weeds will grow before the the grass and the cows are hungry and we turn out the cows too soon or don't leave, do you just walk through the pasture and take a look and, and do you have some sort of like gauge or? Right, so yeah, that's, I mean, the first thing you need to do, you know, when we try to teach veterinary students about poisonous plants is what they look like when they grow, you know, and, but that's, the only way you learn that is being out in the pasture and looking at the plants as they grow, you know, what they look like early spring versus the middle of the summer versus in the fall and so. You know, usually we say, you know, if you've got an extension agent or somebody in your area that's an expert at that, try to get with them, go on a pasture walk or let them identify plants, you know, of concern in your area because once you see those, you'll know, you know, you'll remember those and know. Every year is different. I know people have had pastures for 50 years and then all of a sudden one year we have a problem and they go, well, you know, the last 50 years we had no problem. What's the difference now? And Every year, I mean, every growing season is different, so that's that's always a a wild card. I mean, right now we're dry. You know, whenever we start to get rain, that's that's going to affect what you know what weeds will grow and just how the you know how our grass protect or production is. I never thought about how management or just the timing of the turnout, just being a few weeks early with some different weather patterns, could make that a once in a fifty year. Ordeal. Yeah, you see it time and again, and it's the same story that Steve was saying. It's 
you know, we've had this pasture for 50 years and kind of do the same thing every year, but the growing season's different. Now this year we turned out, you know, same date we have the last 10 years, but all of a sudden we got a problem, you know, it just happens or you to be put, the year. Or you put more cows out sure. than normal and, and, you know, you try a little different, stretch that grass a little bit further and, and uh, it always seems to be, uh, comes back to, to bite us. Um, let's take a break and uh, let's come back and let's talk about some things that, that we're seeing, maybe some cases, some, uh, some things that will help some of these cattlemen and, and veterinarians. You're watching Doc Talk. We got Scott Fritz, Steve Ensley, Toxicology, Veterinary Diagnostic Lab, Kansas State University. We'll be right back. Hey folks, welcome back to Doc Talk. Dr. Dan Thompson here with two friends and two colleagues, Dr. Scott Fritz, Dr. Steve Inslee. They're both here at Kansas State University in the veterinary diagnostic lab in the toxicology section. And you are the toxicology section. We are. This We're, is this it right, right here. Well, we, we get to give all the, we have a lot of technicians that do all, they actually do all the work. They tell us what they got. And so we get This the, is just the, 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 pretty face. Right, that's talks. all we have to be. Right? <laughs> pretty debatable. Yeah. So talk to me about your, you've had some cases with so, Locksburg. Yeah, so this year's dry again. Uh, you know, we don't know what's going to happen, but last year uh, we had a really wet early spring, and so we had weeds that, that grew that normally we don't see. Uh, Larkspur was one of those, and in southwest Kansas, south central Kansas, it was, it was, uh, you know, a big issue and it was all, you know, we started to get calls about it and then tried to get, you know, tried to get the word out to have everybody look at that. But we had, you know, substantial number of cases and, and dead animals from that as well. Yeah. And, uh, you know, as you, Scott, as you walk through something like that, how do, how do you go about, you know, diagnosing and, and getting a diagnos diagnosis from this kind of case? Sure. That's, they're a challenge diagnostically in today's day and age. Cell phones are invaluable. Everybody's got a camera in their pocket all the time. can always snap a picture if they notice, you know, something different from a normal year. And then we work with a couple different groups. And then we have an herbarium on campus that's invaluable with helping us ID some of these things if we're not familiar with them. And then there's a poison plant lab, um, USDA actually runs it, it's in Logan, Utah. And in their research lab, they're not necessarily a diagnostic lab, but they do a lot of poisonous plant research and we'll communicate with them and work with them a lot. And they'll at least help us make a chemical diagnosis, so there's really, you can't really argue what, what they were exposed to at that point. And so they've been a, a valuable resource for us too. So when you get, when you say a chemical, um, will you get a, a tissue samples in from the animal um, and, and be able to identify these chemicals or these toxins that they consume? Yeah, it's tissue samples, usually rumen content's probably the best one, just, you know, the plant's gonna be in there. And you can actually look at rumen content under a microscope and sometimes identify some of these plants. So we'll, we do that at, at K-State Diagnostic Lab, but sometimes we don't have the actual chemical assays. And so we'll send it to a, an outside lab to do some of the chemical analysis for us on either tissues or rumen content and help us identify, you know, the, the toxic compounds that we're looking for. You bet. So, so when we see these cases, as, as we mentioned in the first segment, you know, something different happens. We aren't, we aren't normally seeing this. Um, how bad does it have to be before you get a, you know, someone involved or? Well, yeah, normally, I mean, sometimes, you know, retrospectively after they've lost five head, it becomes an emergency, you know, and we go, well, it would have been, 
you know, ideally, you know, after the first animal dies, that's when we get involved, and that doesn't happen a lot of times. Everybody's, you know, one animal dies, it's not too much of a problem. Two animals die, they're getting a little more excited, and, you know, when we have more than that, it turns into a real bad issue. Dad used to say as a veterinarian that it was easier to sell a vaccine for a few thousand dollars than to sell a diagnosis for a few dollars. Right, right. And we have experts sitting here that, you know, when you have a cow die or, you know, to have that, that veterinarian come out, take some samples and send it into the diagnostic lab and get a, the peace of mind. Right. Right. And so, yeah, poisonous plants, uh, you, know, you know, any of the animals that are forage-based system, that's always an issue. And there's a lot of different, th you know, nitrates this time of year with cows and calving is an issue. And, um, you know, just basic things that we see or hauling water, you know, when everybody, if we have a dry year and they've got to start hauling water, uh, we always have animals die from that. They use the, what they used to haul the water was the fertilizer tank they used to fertilize with, and they don't get it cleaned out and, you know, use that for their water source. And, you know, that, that's dramatic. I mean, when you, when you do that, you kill a lot of animals pretty quickly. Just goes back to we've had uh, shows on drought and different things that when we have, we have to plan right. for, for when we're going to have these. Let's take a break. When we come back, more with Dr. Scott Fritz and Dr. Steve Inslee from Kansas State University. You're watching Doc Talk. Hey folks, welcome back to Doc Talk. I'm Dr. Dan Thompson. I'm here with Dr. Scott Fritz and Dr. Steve Inslee. They're with Kansas State University Diagnostic Lab in the toxicology section and uh, invaluable service. Uh, just to the experts that we have in, in bovine toxicology. And, you know, when we were talking about different things and, and we had Mark Sparrow on, we're talking about minerals and, and mineral supplementation. There's a lot of papers out there now about adding remensin, uh to for graze out. And, uh, you know, it helps limit mineral intake, it increases gains, but it can cause some problems too. Yeah, it? so, I mean, mo you know, uh, I'm, a, I'm all for ionophores. I think they're great if they're used, you know, at the right dosage and, you know, at the appropriate manner, but there's the margin of error, error with those is not that great. And so we see, uh, we get involved in a lot of cases where an ionophore got fed, you know, too high. And all you have to do is make a one day mistake in misfeeding and, that's going to follow you until those animals, you know, have died. So you can, you know, in a feedlot, I mean, you can feed them, do, do everything right, you know, for 200 days. But if you have one day where you, on a Friday where nobody was there and you've, and you've misfed those, that damage that you see there is going to be reflected in them, you know, until they're done, until they're closed down. So, and and I, I need to back up too, because that, you know, it is a great tool. It's a tremendous tool that's used in the industry. We're just talking about toxicology today, and and so we're we're talking about some of the things. But uh, Dr. Scott, what are some of the the signs or clinical signs of a toxicity to to a monensin or to an ionophore? Yeah, and I don't want to just single one out. Either. Sure. It's, yeah, there's yeah. there's a lot of them. We use them in all different you know meat producing species, and we have issues. You know, it's I'm all for them too. I use them in practice all the time. They're an invaluable tool, and they add a lot of of money, you know, at the end of the feeding period, but you know, that's, it's a challenge clinically because they'll almost look like a respiratory disease. You know, generally they'll go off feed for a day, they'll have diarrhea after that. And then as you know, it targets the heart and they basically go into congestive heart failure. 
So those animals might be isolated, they might be standing, you know, neck stretched out, breathing hard. So a lot of times they get confused for respiratory disease and treated that way. Or, you know, to post-mortem, they can look like respiratory disease too, and they just get chalked up that way. And if you don't go in, you actually have to look at the heart under a microscope. And if you don't do that, you know, you can miss the diagnosis and those can result in some, some massive death losses that we've seen. So what do you see in hearts? What's the, what are the changes from remensin? So, yeah, so that, you know, it's different species that will target either skeletal or heart muscle. And in the heart, it, it basically kills the heart muscle and it'll replace it with a scar, essentially, um, that can eventually become mineral. And then that, you know, that if it's a hard mineralized tissue, it won't function like it's supposed to. And so sometimes those animals that don't die right away, you know, if, you know, in January they don't die. But by the time we get to June and they're 1,200 pounds and it gets hot, we can have some death losses associated with that later on in the feeding period, too. Yep. And so we like to, you know, tell vets when we have an exposure like that to continue to fix hearts all the way through, you know, just to go back and look and we can at least see if they've had, you know, if that's responsible at that point in time. So you've had a case uh, where they didn't mix it properly or didn't get it incorporated properly into the trace mineral on some, some grass cow. Yeah, so that was, yeah, we had trouble last last grass season on on exactly that they they were putting that trace mineral and then top dressing the monensin on top of that and when you can't control intakes that's that's when we get into trouble yeah so um as we any tool you know if there's a thin line between a a drug and a poison right right something yeah. that does really well and and that and and we can come through hundreds of different examples but if you're going out there on that that summer mineral and you're gonna use uh, some of these products that are performance enhancing for, for the cattle, make sure you're using them appropriately. Get with a nutritionist, get with a veterinarian, and make sure they're, they're being done at appropriate levels. We're gonna take a break. When we come back, a little more toxicology here with the toxicology section at Kansas State University. Hey, welcome back to Doc Talk. Dr. Dan Thompson here. We're at Kansas State University with Dr. Scott Fritz, Dr. Steve Inslee. They're at the Kansas State University Veterinary uh, School and the Veterinary Diagnostic Lab uh, in toxicology. And we're, uh, you know, y'all have a pretty cool project coming up. Yeah, so we, we, uh, we do what our focus is here at Kansas State, really. It's food animal veterinary toxicology, and that's not uh, a very big, there's not very many people in the U.S. anymore involved in that, you know, that kind of specialty uh, niche, I would say. So, yeah. but those are, you know, that's what's most exciting to us. And we, uh, you know, we, we get to talk about cases all over the U.S. because most places don't have, you know, the resources to be able to do that. So one of the things we were able to do, we got a grant, a USDA grant in the last six months that's going to help us with training and uh, also a, a hotline. Uh, so we're going to have a call-in hotline, just like the pet poison call-in hotlines you might know about. But it's it's for producers and veterinarians and to get questions answered about some of these issues that we see very commonly and um, you know may not be well known in the you know in the in the veterinary world, I guess. So yeah, and and Scott, the reason you know <clears throat> you know besides being a small number of people that do this there's other reasons why we need a hotline right yeah and it's you know after hours and holidays and that kind of thing when all these problems you know if it's not your usual crew feeding, feeding the day before a holiday or you know people want to get out early on friday or whatever and that's when the problems happen and 
the hotline at least gives you a resource to handle before, you know, get you through the weekend and have a positive impact before Monday rolls around. Because most of the diagnostic labs are open 8 to 5, and that's when you're going to get a hold of somebody. Yeah, I just have had, it just it just seems like every, whether it's the 4th of July or Labor Day or Christmas, if you're going to see some weird thing happen or, you know, we ship a hot carcass or something, you just, you're just like, because we're out of, we're not in our normal routine. Right. Yeah. And so it gives yeah, us that, an outlet. We never, we always say never get feed delivered on Monday or Friday. <laughs> we, we see a lot of issues from things that happened over on Saturday with a new crew or Monday or Friday or especially before a big holiday I mean that's always dangerous yeah, yeah. so when you start to think about things that that you know we can do as as producers working with you in toxicology what are some things that that would be helpful or beneficial. So for, from our perspective, if we can get involved, the earlier we can get involved in a case, the better it is, you know, uh, n not always, you know, after one animal dies, but uh, if we get multiple animals, you know, we'd like to get involved in the case as soon as we could work with a veterinarian and, uh, you know, we'll get the appropriate samples and get thing, you know, get samples that we can make a diagnosis with is the main thing. So they, they can be timely. And so Scott, when, you know, obviously, some of the things that with toxicology are different with samples than, than others. What are some of those that, that you would like to see us do? Yeah, some of the sample, like the specific sample types are just different. Like as an example, on, in tox we use a lot of ocular fluid. We can use it to make diagnoses post-mortem and if we don't have that sample in the box then we're kind of limited on some of the things we can do. And it just goes back I think to work with your veterinarian and, and they, you know, they call us, we can talk to them and bounce you know, potential problems off each other and get a robust submission with the samples we need, you know, because the samples we need are different than what the pathologists need, which is different from what, you know, the people who do the PCRs are going to need. And so it's just trying to get a well-rounded submission because our job at the end of the day is just like yours, is trying to reach a diagnosis and identify a problem. Solve the problem or get, like me, I just load the whole thing up and drive the D-Lab, drop it off and let you all have it and that way we don't miss something. Yeah, it's good for the students too. They're always on the necropsy rotation. When you drop a full carcass off, they get to cut that apart and you you know, give them back to the next generation. That way they get some training, hands-on experience from that. It's great. Thanks for being on the show, guys. Thanks yeah. for having us. We appreciate all that you do at K-State and all that you do for our veterinary profession. Thanks for watching the show. Remember, if you want to know what we do at DocTalk, you can find us on the web at www.doctalktv.com. Always work with your local veterinarian with Dr. Scott Fritz and Dr. Steve Inslee here at Kansas State University. I'm Dr. Dan Thompson, and we'll see you down the road. Doc Talk is brought to you by Merck Animal Health. By integrating the comprehensive animal health product portfolio of Merck Animal Health with the innovative technologies of all flex livestock intelligence, we are shaping the future of animal health, resulting in more effective solutions and healthier animals. At Merck Animal Health, we wake up each day seeking new innovations to keep your herd healthy. This is why we're proud to now include Allflex Livestock Intelligence in our portfolio of solutions. With Allflex, we can provide the tools to identify, monitor, and trace each animal within a herd. Its state-of-the-art offerings deliver real-time insights to help you optimize productivity. Merck Animal Health and Allflex Livestock Intelligence for our animals, our industry, and our future.